There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that will get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Now, when it comes to Western hunting gear, there's really no more integral piece of kit to get you to where you're going than boots. They're an essential piece of gear because you constantly use them in a way that's inherently uncomfortable, hiking up mountains. It's the gear that, if not right, can literally stop a hunt in its tracks. As a guide, I've seen more blistered tore up feet slow down those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities or those really good chances on a hunt more than I care to think about. So on this week's gear rundown, I want to go over the fundamentals and features for different boots and help you find the best option for your application and give you an idea of what to look for when it comes to boots for mountain or western big game hunting. But before we go there, I want to share a funny story of a not-so-trusty pair of boots. This story takes place early in my guide years. Uh, I, I was guiding elk and deer hunters. These, this particular week had some guys from Texas, and they were on their first elk hunt. So it was pretty much just like any other week. Back then, I really kind of, I mean, the boots you could get were whatever uh, standard sporting goods sold for boots. There wasn't a lot of really good mountain boots back then. And if there was, I mean, I didn't know about them or they were maybe just more than I could afford at the time. But as far as I can remember, I would always buy pretty much the best boots I could get from one of the major boot companies that were, you know, something you could find in any Cabela's big box store, whatever. And I'd pretty much burn through about two or three pairs of those a season from the beginning of August through 
the end of December, I would just wear through my boots because I was using them every day. They really weren't designed for heavy, lots of use in the mountains. And so I kind of ran into this problem where I would have a good pair of boots and I'd like wear them guiding through archery, but then it'd be like mid rifle season. And it's like, crap, they're pretty much starting to wear out, but I don't really have the time to break in another pair because I'm in the middle of guiding. So if I really want to put another pair on and be uncomfortable for a few days, or just kind of wear these ones and, and see how much more I can get out of it. And then maybe wear them around on a weekend or something on my own hunt when I'm not guiding to get that like in between time to swap the boots out. So I'm taking these guys out. It's like the second week of the rifle season. My boots by this point are getting pretty hammered. It's like, I probably should swap them out, but Hey, they work like they aren't really waterproof anymore. They're getting cold and wet, but that's okay. I can, I can bear five more days with them and maybe throw on this new pair and, and break those in over the weekend on a personal hunt. So I've got these guys and we go out and we decide, uh, we weren't really seeing very many elk, like uh, some weather had kind of moved in and my normal spots weren't very, like being very productive. So I thought, oh, there's this one, this one place that I used to hunt with my dad as a kid. And we would just kind of like start hiking up the super steep mountain. And it was just this really thick timbered face, just super steep, pretty timbered. But there was a few ridges that the elk would travel on that, like little finger ridges We'd look for sign and other things and then just kind of still hunt it. So I thought about, I I was kind of just, you know, in my mind, I like to go over spots, potential spots. And I just kind of got this wild hair. Let's go there. But when I got there, I thought, man, I want to hunt this different. It had been a while since I'd been in there. I was a kid the last time I was there, just following my dad around. So I thought, let's go across the canyon up the other side and look into where we used to, we used to hike and maybe we can glass in some of this stuff. So that other side was just as steep to get up, but we, we climb up and get to a good little glassing vantage and I'm, I'm glassing and I can actually see kind of, it's like big pinion pines, um, a few little openings, fairly timbered, but there is some openings that I can see. And I remember we used to walk up this one steep ridge and then go into this little opening and we would always see some sign and stuff there. So I thought, okay, that that's pretty much where we would kind of see sign of elk started glassing in there. So started to get closer to the evening. And sure enough, I'm looking, I'm like, Ooh, bull, nice, big five by five bull steps out in that opening. I'm like, sweet, let's go get him. So he's at this point, maybe 600 yards from us. And the ridge we're on glassing kind of fingers down toward that ridge where the elk is. So I try to keep him in sight. We move, hustle down and get to about 300 yards, but the bull had moved behind some pines and I knew he was still there, but he just wasn't out in the open. So we get set up, he gets ready on the pack. I'm like, all right, we're just going to sit here and wait till he comes out. Waiting, waiting, waiting. It's getting closer and closer toward the end of the day. We still have maybe 15 minutes or maybe 20 minutes of shooting light left. And then all of a sudden the bull steps out. Like bull, he's out. Give it a call. The bull kind of stops. The hunter puts the crosshairs on him. Boom. Um, I hear the thwap and then the bull runs into the trees down low. I'm like, cool. There's a pretty good little creek thing in between us. It's a really steep mountain on the other side. So I'm like, well, I don't know where you hit it because I I just was between looking and calling and all that. I I couldn't tell where he hit it, but I could hear the thump. It sounded good, but I just to be safe, I didn't want to push that bull in the dark into some really gnarly country. So I said, let's let's pull out tonight. We'll come back first thing in the morning and we'll try to find that bull. All right, cool. So we go back to camp go back the next morning. And because it was so timbered, uh, my thought was, we'll go back to the exact spot where we shot from 
and then I can guide him in with hand signals to where the bull was. So we get set up on that point, and I'm like, all right, cool. We we can see where the bull was standing. I pointed out. I'm like, all right, I'm going to just guide you over with some hand signals and then see if you can kind of find the bull just below. I'll kind of guide you where it looked like he went. So we, I guide him over there, and then all of a sudden, it's kind of like it was a really foggy, kind of cloudy day, so we can see, guide him into the spot, and then can't see. And now it starts to snow. I'm like, crap. So he can't find it, so I'm like, all right, just stay over there, and now it's like snowing, and it's getting colder, and I'm like, geez, man, this sucks. But I definitely want to be able to guide him to where I think that bull ran into because it's going to be from there, you know, once it clears up, I should be able to glass into some of these spots and kind of ping around and see if I can find the bull before we like push him out. Cause I just wasn't sure based on the sound where he hit and if the bull was going to be dead or not. So, so we're sitting there, we're like waiting and storm's moving in and I'm like, all right, well, let's just build a little fire here while we wait this storm out. And then we'll go in and try to figure out uh, where the bull is. So build a little bit of a fire just to wait out the cold. I'm freezing. My boots at this point just feel soaked because the waterproofing and the stitching is not that great on them. And uh, so we're, we're just all standing around the campfire, warming up our feet, warming up our gloves, trying to stay warm and dry. The storm thing kind of moves through probably, I don't know, maybe an hour or two. I'm like, sweet. So it didn't dump a lot of snow, but it, it dumped, you know, maybe a good inch or whatever. I start glassing in there and sure enough, just pick up the, that yellow of the bull actually really stood out after it snowed. It was under kind of a, in this little thick spot where I started moving around glassed in there and I just saw the bull laying dead, right? Pretty much right below where I'd guided the guy into, but he just must've, he actually walked right past it. I don't know how he missed it, but, um, didn't see it. So we're like, sweet. There's the bull go over, cut up the bull do all the stuff, pack the bull out. Awesome bull. It was a great mature animal. We were pretty stoked. So now it's time for the other guy to hunt. I think he had a deer tag or whatever. So we go back. By the time we get the elk packed out, it's now dark. And the next day we decide to go back out. So load up the pack, start heading in in the trail, same boots that I was wearing the day before, did the pack out, everything like that. But now that night, it just snowed a lot. There's a lot of fresh snow, probably... I don't even know, maybe between your ankle and your knee deep, you know, um, just a good amount of snow. So trudging up the trail, walking along. <laughs> and I just remember it was like this slow motion plant. I mean, it wasn't slow motion, but in my mind, it just felt slow motion. Plant my right foot, lift off like as I'm hiking up and then just hear this and then step. And I'm like, it just, it didn't even register at the point. And I'm like, what the heck happened? And I, I stop and just everything felt really weird, really cold. And I look and the heel from my boot had completely removed from the boot itself. So I think with a combination of the fire before and now getting like wet and cold and planting in that snow, it was just enough that that whole heel just popped off the boot at once in one fail swoop, just one step, boom, heel off. My next plant was just boot on me with no heel attached. I'm like, oh geez. I take a couple more steps and the other heel comes off the other boot. Now I've got two boots with no heels on them. And we're still like maybe a couple miles from the truck in quite a bit of snow. Oh, great. So 
Fortunately, I didn't know this. I figured, oh, the heel would come off and then it would just be my sock. These boots somehow have like a, maybe it was like the liner of some kind, whatever. It was almost like a thicker sock mesh booty that was held on with the insole between the leather part of the boot and where the heel would have been. I'm like, well, what do we do now? Do I just like try to duct tape these boots back together or what? So I tried that for a little bit, but that didn't really work. It was fairly uncomfortable. So I ended up just hiking back the whole way with my boots in the snow that were no longer boots. Snow was just stuffing up around this whole thing. It got super wet, super cold. I just decided to keep moving and made it back to the truck And that evening I decided tomorrow will be the day I break in that new pair of boots. I'm not going to lie. There have been many home improvement projects where I have tried to hammer in a nail with a wrench because I can't find my hammer. And it does not work that well. Even like a large pipe wrench is not ideal for precision nailing. And as soon as you get that hammer back, the task just becomes that much easier, that much more comfortable, goes that much smoother. It's just that old adage, the right tool for the right job. And I think that uh, this is the approach that you really need to take when thinking about hunting boots. And it's an approach that probably most people don't think about. It's, It's kind of matching your hunting style, the job and the task at hand, with the right type of boot that fits you. Boots are super important because they're one of those two touch points in the field that are going to be on the uncomfortable action scale. You're doing something uncomfortable. You're hiking, you're climbing, you're backpacking, and your feet are that mode of transportation. They're what you're using to hit the ground with as you move along. So that touch point needs to be comfortable in many ways, but also assist in the hunt for the terrain that you're in. So it really needs to fit your style of hunting. So what I want to do is I'm going to go over and compare various boot features for different applications to kind of help you build out mentally the type of hunting boot that will work for you. Everybody's a little bit different. I'll give you along the way, I'll kind of throw in the things that I like and other people may be completely opposite of that. So I kind of want to build it out where you could kind of understand the things to look for, for what your application is, and then you'll find the boot that fits for you for most applications. Now, first and foremost, if we're going to talk about boots, they just absolutely need to be comfortable. And I say that every time I was like, what boots should I get? Well, the first thing is they need to be comfortable. They need to fit you well. And then, you know, then you need to match it to the types of features and the things that you're looking for. There's so many boots out there, but just like anything, the better gear often has that higher price point, but that price point does come, I think, with boots in that better quality. It's something that's going to last longer. It's going to work in more scenarios, and you're going to have it for a longer amount of time. Um, I personally use and work with Schnee's boots out of Montana, so a lot of my experiences with their boots, because they really fit me well, and then they do a great job for what I want. Um, I've tried it pretty much almost every boot, uh, different brands, models, styles, whatever. Um, but I want to just break down features that will help you find your right fit. For me personally, when I like to kind of first think of like, what do I look for in a pair of boots and does it hit all these checkpoints? So 
the things that I need is something that's tough, supportive, and durable. And then I look for a boot that excels in steep and rugged terrain because that's kind of the, the country that I'm hunting in. I want something that's not going to eat my feet up where I don't get those hot spots. I don't, um, I don't get maybe something that will wear down or, or pinch me in a, in a spot that's going to wear down over time, over the course of a season or of a hunt. And then I want something that is going to make it easier to hike further, hike longer, hunt harder. So a lot of these comparisons in this breakdown are just going to come down to your hunt style and personal choice, but I'm just going to go through the list of things and then give you like something is always sacrificed by something else. So for example, the first category we're going to talk about is light versus heavy. So boots are one of those things, you know, there, there's two different camps on this. You've got your light boot, your let's go on the extreme side. You're like Solomon type ultra runners, trail runners, whatever, some kind of like lightweight trail shoe. And then on the other end, you've got something heavier, like a full on mountaineering boot. Uh, Maybe it's full leather. Maybe it's got a full shank. Shoot. There's even plastics out there for that, like high end expedition mountaineering. Uh, the a mountaineering one's going to be super heavy and the trail runner's going to be super light. You know, there is a lot of studies of, of weight on your feet, translating that to weight on your back. So say like a pound on your feet is kind of equivalent to eight pounds on your back. So you go, okay, well, obviously I want the light boot, but there's give and take with everything. There's, there's, that's why there's not one perfect thing for one perfect type or one perfect type of hunt. But what I like to do is I like to kind of build the idea of like, this is what I'm looking for. And then I find one that fits the largest category and the largest range of application. So when you go light versus heavy, there's a lot of guys, I've got friends that they just hunt in the lightest boot possible. And that's a great way to go. On the flip side, you're like, well, why are mountaineering boots heavy? And why are the guys that are climbing the most serious mountains in heavy boots? Why wouldn't they just take light boots? It's because that there's that give and take. The light boot is really good for more flat terrain, uh, longer miles, but really not aggressive, rocky type stuff. They get eaten away faster. They break down faster. They also, you would think, well, a pound on your feet is a pound on your back. So I would feel less felt weight and get tired less with the light boot, which is true in flat ground, more mild ground. But when you turn that into a mountain, when you turn that into an incline, you actually feel less fatigue footwear, uh, fatigue from your feet when you've got a heavy pack on when you're hiking something steep with a boot that has more support is stiffer can dig in a little more and you trans you have to like use less balance you have to your body's using less small muscles your feet are feeling the impact less and actually over time you feel less fatigue so for me personally i kind of like that mid that mid range where I'm finding something that's not super light, but also something that's not super heavy where it's got the mix of the durability, the ruggedness, but also, um, when I hit those mountains, I can really go in any type of terrain. Now there are certain hunts like antelope pronghorn hunts or whatever. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be running and gunning. I'm going to be putting a lot of miles on maybe lights. Good for me. There's a lot of people that like that type of style of shoe, that type of style of boot. So finding something that's light is a great way to go. Um, Now, if you're in real steep mountains, real rocky terrain, sometimes heavier is better. It might be a heavier boot, but there's features of that heavy boot that are actually going to make you be able to hike further, longer and hunt harder. So that's, that's the first comparison. Now we'll just go with uh, a stiff versus flexible. There's so many types of boots out there. I think one that's really kind of, um, 
made its way into standard Western hunting is that more mountain style boot. And what that is, is when I talk about a mountain boot, a mountain boot has a really stiff sole. They might have a shank in it. Uh, some are made of metal, some are made of cardboard, some are made of carbon fiber. What it does is it just creates less flex in the boot. And you're like, well, why would I want less flex? Um, what the less flex does is by moving less, especially in steep terrain, you're able to dig that foot in and you just feel it's like your foot's working less for each one of those steps. Now on flat terrain, it's the exact opposite. It can be hard to walk on. It can feel uncomfortable. It can be a little bit clunky. Um, Stiff boots last longer. The stiff soles wear down less, but they're also a lot harder to break in. Um, If we went on a scale of one, zero to five, uh, I I think... um, Chinese does a really good job with their boots of like labeling their, the flex of the sole. So like zero is like a real flexible sole, more like a trail runner and fives, like a hard mountaineering boot that barely moves good shank in it. Um, so if you're going on that scale of like super stiff to super flexible, super flexible boots are going to break in faster. That's, that's a bonus, especially if you don't have a lot of time and they'll probably feel better on your foot, less potential for hot spots in a shorter amount of time. Now those boots will break down faster over time. They'll probably be a little bit less durable because they're moving more. All that movement creates wear, whether it's in the leather of the boot itself, in the sole itself, whatever. Now the stiffer boot though is going to take a lot longer to break in. A flexible boot, you might be able to break in in a mile or two and a real stiff boot, you might have to take up to 50 miles to actually break that boot in to where your foot starts to feel right in it. So that's something to consider. How much time do you have? And kind of like that suffer that suffer chart of like breaking in your boots for most people, if you don't live somewhere that has that same type of terrain that you're going to be hunting in, is very, very difficult. Breaking them in in flat ground is one thing. Breaking them in in inclined terrain. I know so many people are like, I put 50 miles on these boots at work. I tracked it on my um, whatever my pedometer, I definitely, I wore them every day and then they get in the mountains and the first day out, they've got hot spots in places they didn't know because they're using that boot and flexing it in a different way. It's very stiff. Their foot doesn't move with it. And then they end up with blisters or something else. Me personally, I tend, and this is a, a personal preference. I tend to err on the side of more flexible. Now I used to go always really stiff, really stiff, but that break in period was so long and I found that my foot does not really get that tired. Um, Maybe that's just the way that I am, but I like being able to just throw on a pair of boots, start hunting with them, start going out and and feeling comfortable and and being like, okay, I can move with these. I also like to be able to feel the ground a little bit more. So I kind of go with the side of more flexible sole, but I also like a lot of support. So we're going to go with the next one, which is ankle support versus no ankle support. No ankle support would be more a low top, tennis shoe below the ankle and then you can go up like uh, above the ankle short boot and then a full-on you know six or eight inch boot i like that i I don't like the boot up to my knee but i do like it a little bit higher than the ankle me personally i don't necessarily like the lower boots i've tried them they are lighter but i feel like there's that give take where i like to be able to lace that boot up tight up a little higher and i don't have to look at the ground as much i don't have to worry about rolling my ankle i know a lot of people I'll worry about that. I do actually have really strong ankles because there are some hunts where I will wear a lower top boot. My ankles are really strong. I, I've only rolled an ankle once and it was kind of like off a rock into between two other rocks and my body weight going over it. Um, and that was, a, that was a bummer. It was pretty bad, but 
for the most part, I actually have really strong ankles and don't mind not having that support. But for most of the season, I like that extra support because I don't necessarily have to pay as much attention. I can let just kind of use my legs as walking sticks. They, they hit, they plant. I can put a lot more weight on my back and have that support and stability because I think that it really provides a lot of stability up my trunk when I've got a lot of weight or I'm in that like steep mountain terrain, really slippery rock and shale type country, side hilling up, going up straight up and straight down. Um, I like that extra support. I also find that that extra support is really nice for like super steep downhill declines or in that like really kind of terrain that moves a lot. Cause I can just dig the heel in, dig the heel in, or if I'm going up, kick the toe in, kick the toe in and it keeps everything straight aligned and really kind of supports me from swinging back and forth side to side, which I find over the long period of time really actually kind of increases your ability to just stay out there longer and get less tired. Um, so ankle support is one thing that you want to think about. Really, that is a lot of personal preference. My brother, he likes the short boots. They're a little bit lighter. He likes the feel of them. It's more closely kind of like what he wears to work all the time. I just, over the years, got used to a little bit taller boot. If you took 10 hunters, you know, it comes down to personal preference and comfort. What's the kind of boot that you like? Are you a guy that likes that more ankle support, that likes to be able to lace it up tight, have it a little bit taller? I also like it a, a little bit taller boot. If I was just to pick my perfect hunting boot, it'd be a little bit taller boot, you know, for crossing water and creeks and streams and other things. It's just something that's not even that deep. You don't have to worry about water running over the top, especially if it's waterproof. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry 
if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? You need a brake light fixed? You need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Which brings us to our next one, waterproof or not waterproof. I would always, for hunting boots, say waterproof side. What are the, the pros and cons? There's very few boots out there. There's like a quality hunting boot that's not waterproof. I, I wouldn't even suggest it, to be honest. That's probably the only one that I'm like, yeah, you want this. Whether it's a Gore-Tex liner, whether it's um, an event or other fabric, even just like, I mean, you can go full grain leather and just put some kind of wax sealer on it if it doesn't have that Gore-Tex type liner. But anything that kind of keeps that water out, keeps your foot dry, because a dry foot ends up being a foot that doesn't get blisters as often, stays warm, stays more comfortable. So when it comes to a boot, waterproof is pretty much standard, gold standard, especially on high-end boots, but something to think about. Now you're thinking, well, when would I, would I not want a waterproof boot? If you hunt primarily desert, if it's hot all the time, your feet are always hot, that waterproof barrier, even though a lot of them are breathable, does create a lot more sweat buildup and a little bit more heat. So if you're looking for something super lightweight, maybe something that breathes a lot better, then that's the time that you could say, okay, waterproof isn't really a factor for me. I'm just looking for something super light. Another factor comes down to thinking of leather versus synthetic. Uh, I personally prefer leather in my boots. I like leather with kind of a rubber rand around above the, um, or at least in the toe part of the boot, something that comes up above the sole. What that does is that actually protects the leather from damage from kicking in the dirt, rocks, really rough country. That that rand can get eaten away before it's actually eating away the boot itself. Uh, I found that they last longer that way. I really like leather because they tend to stay waterproof longer if you take care of them right, and they tend to last longer, in my opinion. Once that synthetic starts to break in, it almost starts to to break down. Also, catching it on really sharp rocks and other types of things tends to eat it away a little bit faster. I never get the same amount of life out of my synthetic boots as I do leather. Now, I'm not talking about plastic boots. Plastics are for like real rugged, real rough country. I used to use plastic boots in like in serious mountaineering type hunts, uh, New Zealand, Southern Alps, Alaska, some like really gnarly rock type stuff. And they're really good for like crossing streams and rivers. Cause you can actually pull your, the warm part of the boot pulls out of like the ski boot. And then you can put like these glacier socks over it and make a, a set of waders and cross a stream, which is pretty awesome. The downside to those things is it's like hiking around in a ski boot. And over the years, I've just decided it's not worth it for me. I'd rather just go with the leather boot. Um, I keep mine I, I like to like, even before trips, I'll use some kind of snow seal or other leather waterproof boot conditioner, whatever, something that kind of protects the leather itself and keeps it water resistant. I know they say you're supposed to use like wax with Gore-Tex membranes and other things because it makes it not breathable. I personally don't really get super sweaty feet. My feet are always cold. I've just actually got frostbite in the past a long time ago. And because of it, it just seems like my circulation in my feet is never that good. My feet are always kind of cold. I think that that's kind of the unnorm. So 
we're going to go with insulation versus uninsulated. And I get this question all the time. Like, should I get the insulated ones? Should I get the uninsulated ones? Me, I like at least 200 grams of insulation, but I'm the type of person I could wear 200 grams of insulation in the summer. That's pretty rare. There's a lot of people that have to have uninsulated, like their feet are always hot. I see dudes that walk around all winter long in uninsulated boots. I don't know how you do it. Um, they just get a little bit thicker sock as the season progresses on. I like to kind of tailor my boots to where it's like, hey, it works really good for me from September through the end of December. Even with the insulated boots, I would say that I'm like pretty comfortable for most of the season. And then as it gets later in the season, I actually just throw in like, I've just started using them, foot warmers. And the key to the foot warmer for me is just like putting it on top of my toes, on top of my sock. I just take the sticky thing, stick it right on the top of my sock on my toes, and stick my foot in my boot. Last year, it was, you know, below zero for quite a few, quite a few weeks. And those foot warmers saved me. It's hiking. Yeah, your feet stay warm. It's when you stop and you got a glass in the cold that my toes just freeze. And I found that just using those little foot warmers, they pretty much last all day. And then you can get a little bit more all season use out of a pair of boots that maybe has less insulation. I don't know. It's it, for me, it works really well. I know a couple of my other guides started doing that system and it's been working for them as well, especially when you've got an, a pair of uninsulated boots and you just want to let them last. They're, they're comfortable. They're lighter They're They work really good for the majority of the year, but it starts to get cold and you're like, man, what do I do now? I don't want to have two pairs of boots, which if you can afford it, that's great. Get a pair of insulated for late season and a pair of uninsulated early season. But if you can't, that foot warmer trick with some thick socks seems to work pretty good. I think one question is like, how long will boots last? So you got to think of boots a lot like tires. They all have a limit on how long they can go and how long they will last. And that just depends on a few factors, how you use them and how you take care of them. And, And the type of country that you're in, I, no joke, have taken a pair of light boots, um, you know, something you'd find in any big box store and gone out on a hunt in Nevada. I've done this multiple times. Like, I'm like, okay, I I would think I would get smarter, Um, but go on a hunt in Nevada and literally the hunts, that one hunt for seven days, those boots would be thrashed. They're done, but they're a light pair of boots. And I'm like, man, that gets expensive. So now I just take my mountain boots on those same hunts and they last a lot longer. Well, why is that? It's, you know, in country where there's a lot of rock, light, boots, which are often, I'm not even saying they're cheap. They might even be a hundred to $200, but they're just lighter material. There may be something that's synthetic. They seem like they'd be really good for that. And then you get back and the boot soles eaten away. The seams are busted out. The dirt gets in there everywhere and starts to rub and the boot just falls apart after a week of hard hunting. And that's, you know, a lot of miles, but that's the life of that boot. And then you get something more like what I run year round where it's like, Hey, I'm using these things all day, every day. And I can get a couple years out of it, which for most people might be in their entire lifetime. So that's the difference between there's so many different boots for different types of things. If you're going in the mountains with a boot that's not made for that, it's going to wear out fast. You got to see it as a disposable boot. And then there's more mountaineering style boots, which you're going to get multiple seasons, multiple hunts, multiple years, maybe even your life, half your life, whatever 
out of that single pair of boots, which is more expensive. It's a higher price point, but you're going to get a longevity out of it. And you're going to be able to go into more varied terrain, more aggressive type terrain. So that's where it's, it comes down to finding the right boot for the right job, the type of thing that you feel comfortable with and the type of boot that's comfortable. I know that's not necessarily a, the easiest way of saying like which boots. I mean, I can go through the boots that I wear. I'm right now I'm wearing the Schnee's bear tooth. I've worn those for a couple of years. I've used those on everything from most of my elk guiding to sheep and goats, uh, sheep in Asia, goats in Alaska, a lot of different hunts. They're a really good mountain style boot, full leather. They're more expensive, but they last a long time. Those ones actually aren't even super stiff. If I were to go up like into a more mountaineering style boot, a stiffer sole, those would last even longer. But then I got that give take in my mind of like, okay, I'd rather have one that has a little bit more flexible sole, which is my preference, um, but still can handle some more mountain stuff. Not super stiff, not super flexible, full leather. It stays waterproof. I can rub it down, but also not as durable maybe. And knowing that going into it is a full mountain boot. And then, you know, there's on the other end, you could go on a hunt where it's like, Hey, I'm going pronghorn hunting, or I'm just doing like a day hunt where I don't need, I'm not having a super heavy pack. I'm not going to be super far from the truck. I just want to be kind of mobile, light and fast. And then you go with something that's a lot lighter boot, something that's maybe synthetic. Maybe it's more of like a trail runner style, something that's super light. And you know, it's not going to be as durable. It's not going to be as aggressive. You can get by in pretty much everything you're going through that day. And it works really good. And it's not that extra weight of having a heavy boot or maybe a warm boot, especially something like spring bear hunting, where I'm just cruising trails. I've got a light pack on I might just be cruising up for the morning, cruising back down, covering a lot of miles, a super lightweight boot, something that's super flexible. I can kind of feel the ground is good. And as my foot gets tired with that, maybe I throw on my more heavy duty boot and hunt the rest of the week in that. And that's, that's kind of the way that I use my boots. I like to have a kind of, I know it's impossible to have the exact right boot for everything. So I like to try to find one boot that really does the most. And then maybe a a secondary kind of lighter weight boot that kind of fills in the jobs for stuff around that. So I don't put as much strain on my uh, boots that might not be perfect for that. So something with a real flexible sole when I'm doing more flat ground, and then something with a lot stiffer sole when I know that I'm going to be hunting the mountains. Now, my suggestion is if you're like, what's one boot to rule them all, find the kind of hunting that you do the most And then pick a boot that's like, okay, it works for that application, but also can go up in scale where it's like, it still works in the mountains. It works on these. It won't get eaten away too much. And that for you is going to be the perfect boot, but always it's going to come down to finding the right fit. You want to make sure that you can try a boot on. I know for me, there's been very few boots that I've thought this is uncomfortable when I first try it on and it becomes comfortable later after the break-in period. That just doesn't happen for me. Um, I don't know. Maybe it happens for other people. I need a boot to fit right away, like right out of the gate. There are some of those uh, really, really stiff sole boots are kind of just inherently uncomfortable to start with. Once you start to break them in, your your foot starts to form to it a little bit better. Another thing when it comes to boots, I like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of putting in a insole that works for you and is comfortable and fits your foot. You could have the best boot in the world and then your foot, maybe you've got a flatter foot and that boot has a, maybe a higher arch insole, or maybe you've got a higher arch and just having an insole that fits your foot is as important as the boot itself. It's going to kind of create this much better boot experience for you. 
what I do is I know the type of insoles that works for my feet. So, um, I just get that right away. I get a new pair of boots. I immediately swap out the insoles, even though the insoles in there might be a really good insole. It's just not the insole for my foot. I swap out those insoles and then I break my boot in with that insole to my foot. Then everything flexes, moves, bends, and I get, I work out those hot spots. I start to build, if it's got a hot spot, maybe a callus in that break-in period in that spot. And I really break those boots in to form to my feet. One of the most important things with hunting boots that I stress to every hunter, if, if a hunter is like, got to hunt with me, he's like, Hey, I'm coming hunting. What's something I need? What's a piece of gear that I need? I say, you need boots that are broken in and not just like lightly worn. You need boots that are broken in. So when you walk in those boots in the mountains for five days or whatever, however long your hunt is, you're going to be good. You're going to be comfortable. And that is the most important thing. Having a pair of boots that fits, having a pair of boots that works for the application of hunting that you're doing and ones that are broken in. I don't know how many times I've seen guys like literally pulling the stuffing out of the toes of a pair of hunting boots. Being like, I just bought these boots online. I've actually done that myself because I've needed a new pair of boots at the wrong time of year. That happens to me every year. So now I've got like a system where I start breaking in. If I'm going to wear a boot, I get them in the spring and start breaking them in shed hunting, doing other activities and break and like paying attention to getting that boot ready. I've got like my next year's boot already in the lineup. Like I'll wear a boot to death essentially, because just like that story where I was like hiking and then the boots literally fall apart in the field. I don't want to ever get to that point again. So I like to have my next pair of boots before my other boots are completely wore out. And when you do that, you can kind of swap between the two pairs of boots. So you actually have two pairs and you can kind of put less miles on that one uh, single pair. It's just like a good pair of tires. You know, you got to rotate those things. Otherwise they're going to wear out <laughs> in a lot faster time than if you just rotate them. So I actually kind of rotate through one or two pairs of boots, maybe a, a cheaper pair of boots that I use for certain types of hunts. And then my really good boots that I use for those, those bigger hunts where I, I need that high performance. But that's just a, kind of a way that you can think about boots. Um, I, I'm constantly always trying new pairs of boots. I mean, fortunately, I, I get the opportunity to try a lot of different pairs. Um, first thing I like to do, though, if I'm trying whatever it is, try the boot on, see how it feels. Even with, I mean, if you're going somewhere to try on boots, you can even try it with the type of uh, insole that you like. Just know it's like, hey, is this going to fit with my insole, with my hunting sock? Make it like you're hunting with it. Get that first little feel. Does it feel good? Does it feel right? And then go from there. And then once you kind of find the type of boot that you like, I always try to, I mean, there's always, you know, you can kind of fine tune that to say, okay, well, maybe next time I'll get one that's uninsulated or insulated. It is a huge investment. It's an expensive piece of gear that does wear out. It's just like tires on your truck, man. Every time I go get tires, I'm like, dang, but I know that I need them. And especially when it comes to boots, I don't mind spending extra money on something that is not going to eat my feet up. That's going to be comfortable that I'm going to be in day in, day out and know that I'll be able to be successful with them because like just the actual ability to hunt hard and not be fatigued and not have my feet wear out is going to be the difference early on in the podcast. One of my first um, few episodes was about a client that I had that got gangrene, <laughs> like hiking and just like foot care. Uh, it's, it's huge. It's important. And I would say that for most guys coming out West that have never done it, 
boot choice, having the wrong pair of boots and having a pair of boots that's not broken in is the number one hunt killer, the number one thing that slows guys down and prevents them from being successful. So I hope this kind of builds out a picture of when you're thinking about boots, you know, there's, you realize there's not one perfect scenario of light versus heavy insulated or uninsulated. You do got to find like the type of hunt that you want to do and then pick something that matches your preference, your style and fits into that niche of this is what I'm going to do. And this is a good pair of boots for that job. And then kind of, you can continue to use that pair of boots for other things, but primarily focusing on the type of hunting you're doing and then picking a boot that fits that and your preference. I hope that these gear breakdowns have really helped you guys. I get a ton of questions about gear. It's probably one of the number one things. So I figured helping people understand my thought process and when it comes to key pieces of gear like this should be helpful for picking something that works for them and also kind of gives you an idea. I mean, I, I'm fortunate that I get to try a lot of stuff. I get to spend a lot of time in the field. And so over the years, I've found things. It's like, okay, this is the balance between this and that. There's so many times you might go to the store and be like, oh, these boots will work. And then you take them out and then they wear out. And you're like, damn it, that sucked. <laughs> or, you know, some a pair of boots that is going to take a long time to break in and maybe you don't have that amount of time. So you need something more comfortable to get into right away. So kind of finding that right balance and finding that right thing for you. I, I hope this has been helpful. Another thing that I get asked about all the time is packs. And packs are key because it's another one of those touch points of doing something inherently uncomfortable. Uh, so in the future, I'm, I'm going to jump in and do a little bit of stuff on packs. There are some other things with packs of the ways you can load them, the different types of packs and different styles that help lessen that felt weight. And that's what it's all about, like making something uncomfortable, a little more comfortable, a little more bearable, and even in many cases, uh, allow you to do more, carry more weight, uh, hike further, whatever. It's just, a, it's another awesome piece of kit. We'll, we'll go into that. I think one thing, if you're, uh, planning on hunting spring bears this year. Some spring bears seasons are just getting kicked off. If that's you, feel free to go back, check out episode 33, especially 33. I think that's probably one of the most informative, as far as I know, the most, one of the more informative spot and stock, all encompassing bear tactics out there. And then episode 34 is on bear calling. It's really fun tactic to use as well, especially in the fall, but works in the spring. One thing I do want to do is kind of hit on a few other bear tactics this year. So maybe I'll do those before the packs. I haven't decided yet. One thing that I do want to talk about is just kind of targeting emerging bears. It's a really good way hunting early to kind of target boars because they're, they tend to be the first bears out. Um, those big boars are generally the first ones to come out of hibernation. And there's a few specialized tactics for finding them in a time of year that maybe necessarily doesn't have as much food or other sources, but it's a good time of year to start targeting bears. It might seem like, oh, they aren't out yet. There's not a lot of action, but it can be a great time to get out and, and hunt. So I want to touch on a few of those tactics, a few things for spring bear hunters coming up. But until then, keep on keeping on, keep on trucking and make sure to break in your boots. We'll see you guys next week. Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. 
Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to Land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. 